0: How deep the pain when the world seems not to get it and continues to create divisions, animosity, and hate. How hurtful the othering. We see the purity and innocence of children, and we see the jadedness, the callousness appear inch by inch as the days pass. And so, what are we raising these kids for? To inherit this depressing world? How overwhelming and dark it feels. How much can I keep protecting this meager flame from the winds of hatred and division? How gut-wrenching the future these pure souls will inherit. And I've fallen victim to the weight of the world and perhaps I've taught them the same thing. When I know deep in my soul that hope will always be alive, as long as there are children because i see it daily as a child falls down and gets up again and again and again and again it's like the child knows that it's all part of the process but how easily i've forgotten that with each fall i'm learning how to correct my stance i'm gaining strength in all of these muscles ligaments and tendons In the two feet that will carry me through the end of my earthly life, how easily I've forgotten that falling is actually a gift. A gift to learn from. And I've always been greater than the fall. The fall doesn't define me, it's actually aiding me. These children are not inheriting the world we live in, they're inheriting our current narrative of the world. When we feel defeated, we're teaching them hopelessness. But I know deep in my soul that hope will always be alive as long as there are children. The children and youth are not only the future, they are the present. We hold the power in our grasp to narrate the present and the hope that exists. Is that narrative i'm tired just make do with your surroundings or can we look into the eyes of the innocent soul before us and see a reflection of ourselves our childlike curiosity ambition and wonder our innate understanding that each fall is part of the process to stand more firm the hope we see in a child is really the unrealized hope we see in ourselves. That is the place we need to go to and come from because each pair of eyes we look into is the future Martin Luther King Jr. The future Mother Teresa, the future Gandhi, the future Tahra, the future Thomas Edison, the future Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We recognize the light and potential of each child. The eyes are the window to the soul and we see the power and divinity of their spirit and what they're capable of. Yet the weight of the world has us forgetting the light that stands before us because the truth is we've forgotten the light within us for it is your own reflection that you see in a child it is your resilience strength courage and purity seeing the light in another is a reflection of ourselves so to every educator out there whether you are a teacher principal coach director counselor dean aide parent you are that light you are that flame and in the darkness of this night we need you more than ever turn inwards and feel your power you are the channel for hope and life in this world in your belief for creating a new earth for humanity lies the secret to unlocking the light within each hope-filled soul that stands before you, eager to learn, latent with wonder and infinite possibilities. So take a moment to reflect on the question we ask time and time again. What do you want to be when you grow up? And imagine those beaming pair of innocent eyes looking up to you for hope and realize that our true calling is to be our bold, hopeful, spirit filled child version of ourselves. You are the hope and the answer you always have been.
1: Thank you. All right. Episode 52 fumble podcast. I'm yours truly Pej Pej the maniac. You see me here on my comedy, uh, channels, um, Thanks for joining and watching this. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button um, and illuminate that bell so you don't miss any Fumble Podcast uh, episodes or Pedestrianiac content. So the video you just saw in the open uh, was by none other than Dr. Mona Kiani. Um, she's an old friend of mine, but let me give her the proper intro that uh, she deserves. She was a former middle and high school mathematics teacher, uh, teacher trainer, coach for administrators and director of partner success at various ed tech startups. Uh, Dr. Mona Kiani is passionate about transforming the field of uh, education with engaging real world learning experiences for students and the community that result in social action. She founded Educate with Purpose, which is what we're going to talk about today, uh, with over 15 years of experience in education and in ed tech, both locally and internationally. She is passionate about addressing the needs of the whole child and engaging families as partners in that endeavor especially for the most underserved communities. Um, She has a doctorate degree from UC San Diego in educational leadership with research focusing on how to support at-risk students with emotional intelligence. A master's degree in education from UCLA and a bachelor's degree in managerial economics from UC, uh, UC Davis. Yay, that's my school. She's been a guest lecturer in university teacher ed programs, conferences, and the 2016 recipient of the National Inspired Changemaker Award given by Yale. Mona currently, currently serves on the board of directors for the True Human Excellence Institute in Austin, Texas, and on the board of advisors for Free Fuse. Her diverse experiences within the field of education allow her to best serve the various needs of our partners and as a leader in our organization. Welcome to FAMO podcast, Dr. Mona Kiani.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Pej. It's nice to see you again after so many
1: years. It has been quite a long time. Yes, Um man you have done a lot since we met <laughs> so that's <laughs> so that's that's great um well i wanted to jump into this video that we saw in the open here and um uh it caught my attention when i first saw it um and i immediately reached out to you to have you on especially during march Women's history month uh and also uh the message behind it is very in line with some of my own ideals and ideas regarding purifying the mind, which we discuss offline. Um, But I have the the script to this poem. Now you wrote this poem, obviously Um, it's, it's beautifully said and written, Um, but talk to me about it. Tell me where the inspiration came from and what you saw that got you creatively to write this and wanted to share it with the world.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all, for bringing it to light. Um, I was lucky enough to be a part of a group of educators who met on actually was like a Facebook group um, that was called Recharge Your Teacher's Soul. And this group of educators that came together, they meet once a month and they talk about in the midst of the pandemic and with everything going on, especially within the schooling system how do we keep our semblance of sanity as educators? And I had an opportunity to join one of those sessions and it was a group of these incredible women who were in various leadership positions at uh, different organizations in Austin, Texas. Um, Most of them taught in schools or were directors or coaches within the school system and some within organizations that support the school system, but all of them were in some level of a leadership role. And Mm -hmm. what the particular topic of that session was around hope. Where do we find hope? How do we find hope? and i i was just floored that these amazing women shared so vulnerably and i you know they had just met me and the theme that i kept hearing was that actually that it was something that they didn't re- really recognize on their own but the hope came from anything that felt like they could connect to their inner child and i think why why i decided to write this poem and it really wasn't a decision it was like i was so inspired i went to bed that night and i woke up and it just kind of flowed out and it was kind of a one an, a, a one go and then i just kind of felt like recording it and it, none of that really came consciously to me it was just like you're doing this mm-hmm. um and it and, and it was more special for that reason and then you know you reached out to me And having this Facebook group, um, you know, dialogue juxtaposed to what I was seeing on LinkedIn earlier that day, which was teachers are leaving in masses from the school system. And if you actually look at the statistics in 2021, so, you know, this data is a few months old. Yeah uh, 44% of teachers are considering leaving 44%. And as someone who worked on all sides of education, so I was a teacher, I worked, uh, in ed tech companies at various levels. And then I got to go back into schools and help train teachers and coach administrators one of the things that happens to me often is i get messages from teachers on linkedin left and right asking me how do i leave the profession how do i do what you're doing how do i get onto the tech side of things and so i really started to reflect on what what is the feeling people are chasing mm-hmm. people obviously want to feel valued. They want to feel fulfilled. They want to feel like they're making a difference. But ultimately running away from education is not necessarily going to give you that answer. It's not going to give them that answer. So, you know, oftentimes I actually, you know, if I do get a chance to, to talk to some of these folks, I like really question this decision. And is it just like a fad or something they're really excited about because everybody else is trying to do it? Um, or they want to work from home forever because they got a taste of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it really made me reflect on the fact that when we talk about this concept of hope, children, children are the most priceless place to feel hope. Being around a child who is laughing, who is smiling, who is curiously wondering about the world and wandering about the world, it reminds us of all of our innocence and it Mm -hmm. reminds us of that inner child. Mm -hmm. And that is actually, you know, as I listened to those women, it was stories that helped them reconnect to that lost part of them or. Being with a child where they got to actually see it, maybe they didn't get to experience it, but they got to witness it. That that was truly where hope came from.
1: That's amazing, and um, I agree. Uh, also, being a teacher in the private sector, but also in private schools, I I see it. And um, where where is the that uh, high percentage of teachers who are reaching out? wanting to either do your job or do a job similar or wanting to just leave the teaching force. Uh, what was the uh, overlying reason behind behind that? What did you find out?
0: You know, I think that the pandemic was just a catalyst. Yeah. I don't actually think, I mean, yes, it, it has been difficult. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that I joined, I kind of left teaching about six, seven years ago and got into ed tech. And it was kind of a coincidental thing. I was finishing my doctorate and I wanted to be a professor. And this was like, okay, well, sure. I'll try this tech thing for, I thought I was gonna do it for a year. Um, and realistically from the moment I stepped into schools and you know was working in ed tech, People were already asking me, like, how do, I, how do I leave teaching? And so I can't say, I mean, I, I think that the pandemic was a catalyst, but I don't think that it is the reason. I think a lot of times the reason uh, that these teachers want to leave the profession is partially because teachers, and I'm a former teacher, I taught for a decade, we have this mindset that we're just teachers. So when they see this opportunity, this door, this window of, wait a minute, I can join a different workforce where money is going to talk. Money is going to compensate me for how hard I'm working. There is potential for upward mobility, what? (laughs) That doesn't, that doesn't exist as a teacher. Right. And, and everyone from the outside world just thinks like, oh, well, aren't you going to graduate from being a teacher and become an administrator? And many of us teachers are like, I would never want to be an administrator, no offense to administrators, but Mm -hmm. that's not my path. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is this feeling of wanting to grow, wanting to continue to grow and wanting to continue to feel compensated or, you know, appreciated for the work that we're doing. And that those are a couple places that literally, you know, I actually was just thinking about this before we hopped on that if the education system made some of these minor tweaks that mimicked startups, that yeah. mimic the agile workforce mm-hmm. in the corporate world, it will be incredible the way that everyone's going to want to be a teacher, because I truly believe, and as I've worked with more and more adults, and now as a consultant, when I work, you know, with founders of companies who left whatever position they were doing and they came into education, a human being's true joy is when they feel like they can be of service to others. And what better kind of more direct You know, connection to that than working with youth or children and getting to teach.
1: No, you're 100% right on that. And I just feel like teaching, I mean, it's a fundamental of growth. We all need teachers, whether it's in the school school foundation or school sector versus uh, at home as a parent or wherever, right? We have people we look up to. I still have people I look up to at 36 that I'm like, Uh, sometimes I go to and even now and I ask for their advice because I it it either gives me confirmation in whatever decision I'm making to to either continue it or they say maybe you need to go this way instead or you know they and and I value that and kids obviously value that and I see that as a teacher myself and I'm and you see it too so you're you're so right when when you talk about the educational system has to tweak it just a bit and, and, and treat teachers like uh, financially, they should treat them like they are uh, the leaders of the startups or the CEOs of the startups, or even part of a team of a startup, because um, though that is the hot job to have right now. And, and everybody's jumping on that. I mean, they've made shows about it now, you know, like on, on all these platforms, but the, without that teaching no none of those could have gone to that point so it's 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 like we are taking we're almost taking from the teaching side to pay for uh these startups which and it doesn't have to be that way at all um now have you looked at education in other parts of the world and seeing how it's treated over there uh like other countries in europe maybe or uh in the middle east or uh because i mean i know i I went to school in the middle east i I, oh cool yeah i had schooling as a as a young kid so this is fitting with this topic Mm. you know i finished two years uh up to second grade in iran and when i first came to elementary school in the states um it was like i was way ahead Mm. uh with the uh the the subject matter Um, how far they're teaching as a third grader here versus where I thought where I was as a third grader. Mm -hmm. Um, So as a kid, to me, I mean, it was just like, oh, I know this, but I didn't think much about it. Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. think, you know, now I reflect and I'm like, you know, that I feel like we could do way more in the United States with that, Mm -hmm. or just in the West in general. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Have you, I'm sure you have some Juicy information on that. <laughs> well, I, you know, my frame of reference
0: is I grew up in the US, um, but I was a teacher in Chile for three years.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And so getting to teach internationally. Um, it was a different situation. I taught in a private school. I taught in an international private school, which feels very different. And I swore after I taught in an international private school, which was literally the Mecca <laughs> of teaching the yeah. experience as a teacher, I swore I would never teach in the U S again, because the conditions were just intolerable. Mm. Um, the conditions of teaching in an international private school, which might also be a local private school, My, you know, I've never taught in a private school in the US, so I, I can't speak from that. Um, and maybe you have more on that, but it the, the pay and the recognition and the growth potential, all of those things mirrored what would give someone job fulfillment and satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And so... It it attracted top talent. It also retained top talent, that particular school and kind of system of schools. And teachers got to be teachers. Mm. I've noticed, and as I've studied the education system and I've worked at all levels. So I started in LA Unified, which we know is a massive district with a lot of um, students who fit in the category of being at risk with a lot of inner city schools. Mm -hmm. And so what systems like that do versus a charter school system, for example, or a private school system is the more the numbers are showing students are not performing well, the more there's top down mandates. In fact, in my first few years teaching, I remember we had a standardized test. We had to give at the end of every week. So, and I'm a former math teacher. So Mm. literally day by day, my days were prescribed. Like, this is what you write on the board. This is the standard you write on the board. This is how you write it. These are the worksheets you give. This is what you're teaching. This is how you teach it. Teachers come into the field. Nobody comes into the field of teaching to be a scribe, to be yeah. a robot, to mm-hmm. be a copy machine. Yeah, yeah. We come in with this inspiration to be a creator. Yep. And we want to inspire and motivate and cultivate. Yep. And if we don't get to express that, then you've literally robbed the joy of being a teacher. And most of us, we come in knowing the pay is going to be terrible. We know that there's going to be all these other things that are going to make this job tough. But because we feel so impassioned to make a difference in the world, to create, to cultivate, to motivate, and to inspire, we are willing to put up with some of the that nonsense. But now rob us of that, and what what is it that we're we're you know fulfilled by? There's no motivator. There's There's no no motivator. motivator. Yeah, and that then translates directly into the students. Mm -hmm. Think about the students who reflect back on, you know, I didn't really like science, but then I Mrs. You know Barry was the most she just loved science, and now I'm like really excited about science. You know, Yeah, yeah, and so. It takes the adults loving what they're doing and being passionate about what they're doing for that energy transfer to reach students. And so unfortunately, the kind of more taxed the system is in terms of, you know, underperforming students, they then slam all the, you know, more directives, which in my opinion, it needs to be less directives, but you also need to know how to hire people properly. You need to incentivize people and then you need to give them the space to create and to flourish, so that they're not just robots. Um, so that's, you know, one it's, thing that I think the private system, you know, because they have those resources, they yeah. and the students perform well. They release the the chokehold, so that a, a teacher can finally be a teacher.
1: It's, yeah, it's it's hundred uh, percent. In my opinion, it's hundred percent the reason behind uh, teachers you know wanting out and like you said the the pandemic was a catalyst but it wasn't the reason i think this this is right this is like uh, we all we all we were all born to use our creativity whatever field that is you know either if it's in the subject fields or like i i love teaching because i'm a musician like i love teaching because i love acting i love you know doing comedy like and i use elements from those fields that i also have you know which i'm uh creating and and building in my teaching methods you know um now like yeah i have a lot of experience on the pub private side um but i had worked with a couple public schools through like contracts but Uh, You know, for like musicals, I would I would train a bunch of uh, inner city kids to do a Lion King play, for example, or or Beauty and the Beast. But (laughs) I would get to see the differences. It was right in my face, like um, where the limitations were on the public side versus the private side. And um, for them to try to work together, it made it tough because the private side has a lot more, um, I guess uh calculated risks that they want to take with Mm -hmm. with the creativity but there was a lot of um loopholes we had to go through like we had to keep we kept hitting obstacles from the public side because and it wasn't there it wasn't the school itself it was Mm -hmm. whatever mandates that were put on from the county or the district Mm -hmm. so it, it it um so it we you know it I was I'm proud of the the two plays I directed still like with those schools it was it came out well and and the kids at the end of the day were wanting to continue
0: uh-huh. and
1: you know so that to me was the biggest metric was you know they they want they're enjoying it like and at the end of the day if they're enjoying being in school for this then we can like you said find ways to make it enjoyable from the teachers perspective and the students perspective so um, so where do you think things are going to be headed? Um, now you are, uh, explain to the audience where you are now on, on the, te- are you, you're on the tech side now, or, or educate no, was, with purpose?
0: Yeah, and you know, for the listeners, I just kind of want to demystify what tech is like. I mean, sure. working in tech... Can be really great as well, but a lot of people, a lot of teachers, want to work for an ed tech company, mm-hmm. and then they want, they'll na- most naturally go into what we call a school success or partner success or customer success role, where you know when the the tech is sold, they then support that account mm-hmm. and aid them through. Now, on the tech side of things you are also given mandates and micromanaged and given scripts on how you need to do things. And the most fulfilling moments that I had working in tech was when I got to be a teacher, yeah. <laughs> when I got to create professional development and I got to deliver it. And I was like, dang, okay. At some point when I retire, I'm going back into the classroom like that, <laughs> you know, and that's been the ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, and so I want to demystify that the, the, the carrot that's still too sweet and is still going to attract many teachers is the fact that pay is going to be a lot better yeah. and then there well not not always a lot better but better mm-hmm. and then there's also going to be more of the flexible lifestyle uh mm-hmm. you know working from home which is going to entice people so but i do want to kind of demystify it for people for people who are like no i'm going to be able to finally get treated like an adult and like right. not be micromanaged that's yeah. absolutely not necessarily true mm-hmm. um so I actually left tech because what I, after working several years in it for a few different companies, what I saw in all of the companies I worked with were amazing and they were doing really great things, solving the part of the problem that they, you know, intended to solve. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that a lot of these were not going to the root of the issue. Yeah. And I've gotten a chance, I've been fortunate to get to work with many district administrators across the nation. And when you talked about, you know, it's not the school's fault, it's the district or the county that's sending down these mandates. Well, I've sat in rooms with district administrators as they were deciding which assessments they were making mandatory. And they're making the best guess that they can make based on the information at hand. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes they're also in feeling the pressure um, of delivering the numbers, everybody is obsessed with the data, and what that does. And and I love data. I'm a math teacher, okay, <laughs> by trade. <laughs> but what that's doing is it's only giving you one piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And as we have very clearly recognized as a nation that mental, social, mm-hmm. and emotional health is more important than we've given it credit for in the past, well, sometimes the numbers are actually sabotaging what we need to focus on. And so uh, what I decided to develop was a company called Educate with Purpose. Mm -hmm. And what we do is I work with district administrators and school administrators to just press the pause button for a moment and re-examine the whole purpose of education. Why are we doing any of it? Mm -hmm. Why are we teaching the standards we're teaching? Why are we giving the tests we're giving? why are we pushing kids to you know perform for success to get to college to get a career why any of it mm-hmm. and as we restructure the whole purpose of education understanding you know our purpose is outdated the purpose we have is based on you know, a hundred years ago, for the the way that our nation was going yeah. and the way standards were developed and why they were developed, and it's no longer serving us now, and definitely not for the future. Yeah. So I'm working with these leaders as they're making these really tough decisions and kind of in survival mode themselves, giving them a chance to exhale and kind of zoom out. And when we can really reexamine the purpose then align all the experiences to match that purpose, you're going to significantly revamp with these small tweaks, you're going to revamp the whole climate, culture, and kind of the feeling that teachers and administrators have uh, in the school system. And so that's really where I'm focusing my energy right now, because You know we're in a crisis, and if we don't make some big changes right now, I mean things are going to be changing over the next year radically, anyway. Mm -hmm. So if we're not intentional about how that is going, you know it could definitely go for the worse.
1: That's wonderful. I mean, it's uh, it definitely gives hope to to me, and I'm sure other teachers and even the students, because I think uh, you're right. We're using you know, hundred year old methods to, uh, when there was no technology, like we have today, there was mental health was taboo. Like it was (laughs) like all these things that were not even talked about a hundred years ago, you know, I mean, uh, we, I mean, for crying out loud, we were in world war (laughs) one, like we were just coming out of a, uh, huge war back then. So anyway, it's, um, it's good to see that, um, this is happening with your now with this company, Educate uh, with Purpose. Is it a nonprofit or is it a? Uh, no, it's an LLC. LLC, um, okay. And, you
0: know, one of the things that I commonly get as someone's reaction is okay, but what about the numbers? Because we still have to get funding and to get funding, we have to be able to prove that the numbers, you know, that what we're doing is working. And actually over my decade long career as a teacher, even though I told you we had standardized tests at the end of every week, Mm -hmm. I got to a point where I was like, I'm not playing this game. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually have been testing a method of teaching and and I've coined it now it's called social action learning. Um and essentially taking everything that I have to teach for standards and instead of these just being Dead end standards of okay. I'm just learning the Pythagorean theorem because it's on the test, yeah. and oh, by the way, students, you're learning it because you're exercising a muscle that you're going to need to use later. That's the answer teachers give when they don't have a real world application for right. the particular thing. Or oh, when you're trying to figure out the distance between your house and Jill's house, this is the you know hypotenuse, yeah. and you nobody's calculating, nobody's measuring that. So that. Yeah. Oftentimes these are the, you know, canned answers we give. Um, Now, what's phenomenal is when we make some of these shifts in what we're doing, you're Mm -hmm. still going to be teaching the standards, but it's the framing, it's the purpose, it's the why and the how you're teaching it that makes all the difference. And I will tell you that in every institution that I worked in, my students, most of the time outperformed the rest of the students in the school. And yes. so the numbers will follow why because then you've you've literally hit what intrinsically motivates students. Mm-hmm. So now I have no motivation issues. I have no student engagement is not a, it's like a non issue in my class. Yeah. Students are hungry for learning. Mm-hmm. They're asking me for more because they they now see how these tools are going to be relevant to their lives and them having an impact on the world.
1: That's amazing. That's uh and that's super true. I think the kids are uh I think one thing for me and and this uh educate with purpose, it seems um uh st- you, you said student action learning. Is that what it was? Social action Social learning. action, oh, sorry, social action learning. Um you're right. And I feel like that comes from that change is necessary and and the whole idea of change is 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 a scary uh thought for a lot of institutions or a lot of um, public sectors, even districts or, and higher Um, because we, we tested something that worked maybe a long time ago and we're not letting that evolve, but everything has to evolve in order for um, the kids to learn and, and and teachers to want to teach. And, and motivation factor is so important, especially in a time like now where, uh, where, you know, we're not able to see each other as much um in person. We're not able to interact, which is something that the the soul needs, I think, you know, and, and I think when the soul is hungry, then mm. the the physical body and the mind are are not gonna be uh as motivated to to continue uh learning or even pushing. We can we can fight. We we were built to you know fight the un- uncomfortable moments, but only for so long, right? That, and yeah. like you said, teachers are gonna eventually wanna tap out and and either whether it's financial but like you said i don't think that's the reason i think the reason they got in is because they loved it and we need to tap in with the help of educate with purpose to to see let them see that uh uh, that there is hope that there is ways to continue and 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 it's just a shifting of the mindset um so can i share
0: one really cool yeah go ahead please um so so As I shifted the way that I taught, I went from teaching the standards, you know, because you know, my original purpose for why I was teaching, what's the purpose of education? I was like, well, I guess it's like to instill a love for learning and critical thinking, right? And a lot of teachers will say that sort of answer. Mm -hmm. Then I realized, okay, but for what purpose? Okay, well, I can instill this critical thinking and love for learning so that they can better understand the world around them. But still, for what purpose? Okay, so they can understand the world around them so they can do something about it to make the world a better place. So Mm -hmm. now it gives them a sense of agency of I belong in this world and I am a change agent. I can do something about the ills that I see around me. And then the final stage of the evolution of the purpose of education is all of those things. So I learn to understand the world around me so I can be that change agent The final step is starting now. We don't have to wait till they're adults. They can be doing this work now. And so I transformed all the major topics that I was teaching as a math teacher into these social action learning projects where now the math was necessitated in order for them to be of service to the world. So there's nothing that's going to motivate a human being more than to feel like you get to make a positive contribution to the world, because we all want to know we matter. And so again, that's why there was no motivation issues anymore. Right now they're like, okay, wait, how do I use this formula again? Because I need to be able to do this to, in order to, (laughs) you know, help this situation. So the coolest part of all of this was It had been when the pandemic started, I had left the classroom. It had been like, you know, five, six years since I was a teacher. And some of these students I hadn't had for about 15 years. So it had been a while since I had been connected to some of these students. My students were my former students who my oldest student right now is 33 years old. So to give some context, and a lot of them have babies and families and the (laughs) whole thing. And so many of my students from all the different places I taught reached out to me, and they're still calling me Miss. <laughs> Miss, now we should do something. Oh, wow. What can we do? Yeah. And I was so heartwarmed that they had this fire within them that, you know, maybe they forgot a lot of the math concepts, but they had this flame of, I have a role in making the world a better place. And instead of a feeling of hopelessness and despair when the pandemic hit, they went into, we can help. And what better lesson could I have hoped for than to instill that in my students. And so we actually band together and it was great. I like organized, I like blasted on social media. Hey, our time has come you guys we've been preparing for this for years. And, you know, students from the one, two, three, four different schools that I taught at were all on one Zoom meeting together and meeting each other and like sharing memories. And then we brainstormed, what can we do about the pandemic? So we actually, this was the very beginning of the pandemic. And, um, this was when we still really didn't know what it was. And, Mm -hmm. and the thing that we really needed to do was just all support one another while we figured it out. And one of the big things that, you know, we, we might remember was this whole concept of like, okay, until we really figure out what it is, like everybody stay home, you know, so that we can figure it out. And so there was that Instagram sticker that was the, um, stay home. Like every time you're staying home. And so we started a campaign around why we stay home. Mm. And this was youth led because it was a lot of the youth who were not staying home. They're like, ah, yeah, I'm 14 and I just want to go skateboard with my friends. Um, And so we were seeing kind of this kind of like lack of, you know, unity in, in movement. And so the youth that I worked with, we started this whole thing of why we stay home and we created this kind of campaign where people would record videos of themselves of why we stay home and use the hashtag and so anyway I can send that to you also if you want to put that in the notes um absolutely share that video it's we kind of boiled it down to a short clip I think it's a minute and a half but it was just oh there's like no greater joy um you know
1: listen that is uh that that is amazing to hear that it you know, it, it it came to fruition, and and those years of, you know, noticing that these changes are 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 necessary, and 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 the why, right? The why mm-hmm. is so important for these kids, and and to bring it all back together. And yes, I will. Please do send me that because okay. I will have that in the in the description of this uh, uh, podcast. But um, so to to bring it full circle is is you know this whole episode started on this mm. video about children and the, um you know you titled it uh eloquently there is hope mm-hmm. where there are children mm. and and you know i think that is so huge and my own experience and i'm sure millions of teachers out there will agree that if the kids don't know what the purpose is behind things right um and and for us to both from the teacher side and in the student side when we start to care about why we're doing things the way we're doing things right and i and i've seen it i've seen a good responses to these like healthy responses and i've also seen not so non so healthy and i've been guilty of it 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 takes patience right it takes some patience at times and and it takes uh reflecting on on why they did ask why like we have you have to think put yourself in their shoes they're genuine kids mm-hmm. are genuine right. children, children are not just trying to troll the classroom right so, sometimes they do but that there's a reason behind that too is because they're not getting what they're thirsting for so right. they turn to distracting because they're not no longer getting uh the real core and the real uh juice of learning which is the why and and whatever we teach whatever it is whatever subject and and so beautiful that you you saw that come back and and they reached out to you i still think about some of my Mm -hmm. uh, teachers back in middle school and high school and and i remember them by name i remember stories they taught me um and they taught me the why and that's those are the ones that stuck and and it's it's there's a reason that happens i think because we are all like you said we all want to have a purpose. We want to ma- contribute to the world, mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't start at an age. It, it's always there um, right. as soon as we're able to learn. Right. So um, I just want to uh, read the last part of your poem here. Uh, so this is this goes out. So the teachers who, myself included, I'm kind of talking to myself as well. But the to all the teachers who are fatigued what either either because of the pandemic or because of all these regulations and and you got to do this this and that just understand those kids um are the hope and the answer and and they're the future and and they're gonna just like uh dr mona said they come back and and everything you teach now and when you treat treated with care and love and patience and 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 treated with Answering the whys and, and you actually approach approach it with that amount of passion, it actually helps someone's future and and those kids who are going to carry that forward and mm-hmm. pay it forward to, to their own kids and, and if they become teachers. But I believe teachers is not just the occupation, it's, it's everybody, everybody has a role in that, um, starting with your own kids that you have, uh, and then when they go off to the school system listen, I'm very uh, thankful that you uh, came on today. Um, I really appreciate your time. I I do want people to be able to learn more about Educate With Purpose. Where do they go to find more information about that? Yeah, so people can email me mona at edwithpurpose.com
0: or head into the website, which is www.educatewithpurpose.com or follow us on Instagram, which is just at educate with purpose. So any of those forms, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get that message and happy to work with anyone, collaborate with anyone, help inspire anybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's turn this around and remember that where there are children, that's where the hope is. So as we're trying to run away from schools, because we're trying to find hope elsewhere, it, it actually, you know, and in part of that last part of the poem where I'm, you know, that question, we are constantly asking kids, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, It's like, As an adult, our most fulfilling moments is when we get to act like a child again. Yeah. Where we're full of wonder, where we're not, you know, uncertain about our abilities. We are full of confidence. Mm -hmm. There's so much possibility ahead. We're playful. We're laughing. Yeah. You know, we're connecting with people. And so it's, You know, I want to just encourage all teachers who are feeling super burnt out or administrators who are feeling burnt out to just take a moment and connect to your inner child. So even if that means like, just give yourself some grace and go play, go think about when you were a kid and all you wanted to do was go see your best friend, go see your best friend. Your inbox will not be empty when you die. (laughs) So you don't need to clear it out tonight. (laughs) you know, so it's go so play true. a little. And the more we can connect to the child within us, the more we will show up for these kids and continue to, you know, be reciprocated and met with their hope.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't have any trouble acting like a child. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> my, my mom will remind me of that, but uh, it's That's good awesome. though. It, you have to, I mean, that is our purest form. And mm-hmm. as Mona said, you got to, you you can't forget that, you know, as adults, adulting doesn't mean we're boring and we're just, <laughs> we're just um, these, you know, uh, negative people that just look at everything as half empty. We need to, we need to remember that because that actually helps the kids, the real kids that are out there right now. And last time I checked there are children everywhere. So that poem is very fitting. Uh, and by the way, is educate with purpose working uh, nationwide or is it just for, it is okay
0: nationwide, nationwide, and open to working internationally. So if you know people across the globe, I'm actually in a conversation with us, um, a group in China right now as well. So wow. when there are there are no limits, um, you know, and that's and great. this purpose is really universal, which is to really yeah. you know be a change agent in the world and create the world we want to live in. So that knows no geographic or language barriers or or cultural differences. So
1: that's great. And it's okay to not know all the answers, everyone. It's okay. Absolutely. Cause that's, that's the whole point we're learning together. <sighs> that, that, that collaboration is one of the biggest answers. And I think we, we are taught uh, incorrectly that, you know, chase it, chase, whatever you, you're trying to do and, and kind of like just have tunnel vision and just go for, it. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think we got to welcome other people and welcome different, like complete opposite opinions to what you would have had because when we start listening more than wanting to tell people that's that's where the real growth happens in my opinion um but i've seen it come to fruition and i and i think that is a big part of uh growth as humanity in general not just for kids so absolutely uh dr mona thank you so much for uh joining um everyone uh I will have all of the information uh, that that Mona uh, mentioned here and also in the description. Uh, You can follow me for some comedic relief, Pejdomaniac, on my uh, YouTube channel, as well as Fumble Podcast, Uh, same same channel, Uh, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Snapchat. Um, Thank you all for joining. This was episode 52 with Dr. Mona Kiani. Thank you, Mona. And we'll see you guys on the next one.
0: Thank you so much. Bye, everyone.